0: Hey, it's Justin, and welcome to the ContenderCast Top 5 of 2023. Believe it or not, we had a tie at number five, and Mari Mix, who we just covered yesterday, was at number five. And tied with her was an episode we did with Michael Connor, a good friend of mine. And we talked all about artificial intelligence and how that plays out for our brands. Uh, for those that are in the entrepreneurship space, how you can be thinking about this new generative AI topic and some of the value of it, you know, short-term and then also longer-term. Incredible conversation. We had so much fun doing it. We're going to do a part two in 2024. But check out, at a tie for number five, the Artificial Intelligence or Gen AI conversation with Michael Conner.
1: Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Haneman. Thanks for staying, Thanks for tuning
0: in. Thanks for downloading, subscribing, and following. It's Justin Honneman, ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're talking about an amazing topic, generative AI. Do not be scared. If you are not into technology or analytics, you're going to love our conversation on the podcast today is one of my very best friends, Michael Connor. He goes by Connor. Connor, it's so great to have you on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: <laughs> we got the sound right. I love it. Um, hey, man, it's so good that you're sitting. We're sitting next to each other. This is so fun. Um, we work together at Amazon and Connor. Also spent 10 years at Coca-Cola. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, he leads CPG for us. And most importantly, he leads all the work we're doing around generative AI in retail and cpg and we're going to unpack this for you today so if this is a new concept of the world of ai and machine learning sounds scary do not worry you're going to love how we're going to talk about it today um, we're going to make it very real for you and so let's dive in man how about before we get into the techie talk share a little bit about your background you know where you came from some of the places you've worked before amazon
1: yeah I spent most of my time in uh, at coca-cola chief architect. Um, That was 10 years there, but it was fun to bounce around a a bit. Um, I led all of our cloud migration work. And um, as part of IT, I ended up in the business leading a data science innovation team, doing all the work with Freestyle, which is their smart equipment platform. And so just got super into culture and teams and people. And uh, especially around data science, it was more around how do you solve a business problem than just getting into the bits and bytes and the nerdy stuff. So I was always trying to accomplish something and make the business better somehow. I love that. And somehow we did not overlap. Or well, we overlapped by a
0: couple years and we overlapped with a lot of mutual friends and people, but we were like in different parts of the business yeah. at Coke, right? Yeah, that's right. So funny. Um, and then we landed at Amazon um, about the same time. And in fact, and and again, we knew of each other, but hadn't really worked together. And I think like for day one, we were like, oh my God, we have got to work together in consumer goods and we'd worked a lot on food and beverage accounts early days and now more broadly worldwide with retail and cpg and um
1: talk a little about your kind of your path since you got to amazon yes yeah, so I, I started out just leading the cpg um group and uh and then in the last four months, of course, we've, we've met with so many customers and CPGs all around the world in food and beverage and health and beauty. But the last four months have been super crazy. It seems like all anybody wants to talk about is generative AI. So <laughs> totally. we, went, yeah. we went from talking about manufacturing and supply chain, R&D, marketing and advertising to now it's just pretty much gen AI all the time. But it's cool because I, I love the generative AI stuff. It's been a lot of fun. It's, it is. And um, I would say
0: it's been an interesting year. So if you're listening to this podcast in the future, We're sitting in September of 2023, and when we kicked off the year, it's funny, um, in consumer packaged goods and in retail, we talked a lot about innovation. In fact, a lot of our listeners, as you all know, um, who are listening, are are founders and entrepreneurs. Um, Innovation is back, especially in the CPG space. A lot of new beverage companies, a lot of new food startups, um, a lot of new food service providers kind of playing in the space, and then retail exploring new and different tech. Right? We were talking innovation early in the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of been funny because all the CPGs know they need to innovate. But if you look at their organizations, they're really designed to prevent innovation in a lot of ways. Like think about black belts, the Six Sigma black belts and things like that. You have a, a food product where, you know, it's going into someone's body. They are very careful and they want a very predictable, reliable process that produces something that's healthy and good for you. And, um, they don't want contaminants and things like that. There's, um, regulatory processes. And, and so, CPG companies typically have not wanted to introduce things that disrupt well-known processes that produce high-quality products, right? So, as all these things like direct-to-consumer are coming out, of course, generative AI is the next one, all the e-commerce, 1P, 3P, there's just all this new stuff. And so, innovation, it's kind of been tough for them to pivot and uh, figure out new ways to work. Yeah,
0: it's funny. Oh, during COVID, we saw big, big brands really trying just to find a way to survive, right? Get product on the shelf, get sourcing materials and get product made and then to retailers. And then, but also we saw a lot of new brands launched, like a lot of new entrance brands, like digital native food, beverage companies get off the ground um, and are developing. And, and, you know, they follow the path of trying to get launched into e-commerce, get into whole foods or other retail, expand into further retail, and then potentially get bought down the road. So we're, we're seeing a lot of progress with a lot of the new brands.
1: Yeah. And that's a, I talked to one of the, the world's oldest CBG brands yesterday, and they were saying, "Gosh, it's never been easier for young for smaller brands to get started." And they said, "You know, we could produce all this high quality imagery with generative AI or, or with with photo shoots, and we had high quality production teams." And they said, "All of a sudden, with generative AI, you have these small brands, and they've got these um, they have wonderful looking imagery with what appear to be high end models and great uh, lighting right. and great <laughs> <laughs> photography, and um, and now they can create great listings for e commerce." So they're thinking like, how do we, a large CBG brand retain our edge when these small entrants coming in, they're super scrappy. Yeah. They're up and running. Totally. Um, I met a, a a young lady. She's absolutely incredible entrepreneur. She got a, um, within a year, she got distribution in Walmart and Target wow. for her cereal brand. She's using generative AI all over the place. They've got four people and they've got manufacturing distribution. <laughs> they have a website. I mean, like they're it's rocking funny.
0: and rolling. You sent me that picture of their brand and I, I do plan to reach out to her and get her on our show. So that'd be kind yeah. Of fun. yeah. Um, okay. So we've we've mentioned the word AI many times. Um, and for many of our listeners are like, yeah, I've heard like AI ML, but in the past I've I've heard it at conferences. You know, AI is not new. So let's do a little bit of 101 here. How about, you know, quick 60 seconds to two minutes on just the history of AI and where we would see it today being used?
1: Yeah, AI has been around for a long time. We just didn't have the kind of all the data and the compute power that we have now to really make it great Um, for a lot of brands. For a long time, they've been trying to solve tough math, math problems, like get their demand forecast right, or uh, understand their margins, all these types of things, right? And so typically you had you know, people that went and got their MBA and they learned some of the statistics, right? But of course, things got a lot more complex when they introduced like trade promotions, um, buying patterns have changed a lot, especially since covid You've got consumer price index. There's all these variables, the national calendar, holiday schedules. <laughs> right. Right? So all of a sudden, like this traditional math problems started to break down. They didn't work as well anymore. So enter, enter AI, where AI was really good at looking through like millions of data points and producing results reliably. So all of a sudden, an AI demand forecast was a lot more reliable and kind of learned from like more recent trends and things like that. It became a lot more reliable. But again, like the the AI was really trying to solve a very, very specific problem. Like, what is my demand forecast in this channel for this category or this, this product? You know, which is, of course, very different from like image generation and all the text generation that we see that we see today. So that's what's evolved recently. Totally. Yeah.
0: And and a couple other ways that we we would see it brought to life. If you shopped on Amazon.com, for example, product recommendation, that engine, right, driven by machine learning. Um, If you own an Alexa device um, driven by empowered by machine learning, right? Billions of trends. Yeah, and it's on your billions. phone we, too, yeah. right?
1: Where Apple, you know, they're seeing faces and they can tag people and Facebook has had the stuff in. And so this stuff has been around big companies with with the resources to hire smart AI PhDs have been using this <laughs> stuff for a while, right? right? But all of a sudden now with ChatGPT and some of these things, uh, it, they've democratized this where all of a sudden, you know, my, my daughter's 11 and she's using this stuff for, you know, like to help her with her Crazy. homework assignment and things like that. So Crazy. now it's available to anyone with an internet connection, which is the fun part about technology. Totally. Right? I have to say, And
0: and for those of you that are like, Scared of tech? I would say, come on, run to the tech! It is so cool and exciting, and like it can, it's just there's so much to learn and so much changing so quickly, and um, that's an opportunity and challenge, right? So, um, okay, cool. So we we've defined a bit about you know traditional AI. By the way, it's been around since back in the 50s, um, so not new. That's why you all heard about it before. But then this year around March, there was a, a lot of excitement because of ChatGPT and what's called large language models. We won't go too technical on that, but like. Um, what was why so much excitement? And 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 I know the answer, but I want you to share this with our, our audience in terms of like why why was there so much you know, we were getting calls from CEOs, yeah. heads of supply chain, marketing. This wasn't just the IT group. Like what what is it that really drove a lot of that the questions that we
1: saw early on? Yeah, so before all, before what happened with kind of the chat gpt and large language models we tended to have a lot of different ai's they would do specific things they would find faces in photos or they would detect sentiment in a tweet or in a review and so we had thousands of these things and it required uh, an intelligent well trained data scientists um, to build each one of these things and so large language models are interesting because they were trained on basically all the data in the world, everything we could find on the internet, which is affectionately called, we call the pile. And so all of a sudden, rather than an AI solving one specific thing, like, you know, translation or a product recommendation, all of a sudden you had a single model that could do thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Um, We still don't know the limits of these things. They can solve tons of problems. So now take that and and add add to it that it's available to anyone with the internet connection, um, through, um, of course, Amazon is offering, uh, this online and s- same thing with chat GPT through open AI, Azure's in the game, Google, there's just an unlimited number of people that are getting into this market. So now take that power that used to be reserved for, for just the most well-resourced governments or companies. And now it's in the hands of everybody, which is exciting. It's almost democratized. Yeah. yeah. And I think we were doing the analysis and it, to
0: get to 50 million users, right? We, we looked at radio, TV, right. Facebook, and to... To, for large language models, it was like three days. It was like, yeah. unbelievable. yeah. was like, yeah. like 13 years.
1: Yeah. It's days. So it's interesting because people are also thinking about, wow, this technology is coming faster than anything before. So, right. you know, if you look at electricity, the personal computer, the internet, uh, the Gutenberg press, the steam engine, t- you know, society had a little while to kind of adapt to this technological uh, event. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of questions ab- about that. Like how fast will this hit? Will it affect jobs? You know, there's a lot of questions. I heard an interesting, you've, uh, acronym the other day, you've heard of FOMO, fear missing out. Of course, I have this, a lot of FOMO. This was a Fobo, fear of being obsolete. You're oh right.
0: my god, I love that. <laughs> yeah, so a lot, a lot I think of that
1: we're seeing that we're feeling that, right? A lot of the means we've been having lately, I feel like there's a little bit of Fobo. Yeah, and I think that's what's happening with a lot of. Uh, a lot of the companies is their executives are seeing this worry about being disruptive, same thing with boards, and then all of a sudden you know they 're sensing resistance within the company where people are reluctant to kind of embrace this technology because there 's this fear of being obsolete like how I will know, it affect my attention. job so so there 's some pushback and I think that 's a leadership issue where the, you know the leaders have to work with people to to couch it as an opportunity to train people and you know and not talk about this as a way to replace people, which right. i don 't ultimately think it will do like Mark andreessen talks about this. Every technological innovation has led to just more productivity, and we've never had more tech innovation. And we've got the lowest unemployment rate in Unbelievable. history. Unbelievable, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's let's dive a little deeper on some of the use cases. So, um, um, as you think about these models and the the use cases for them, there's two big areas we've seen, I think, come to life over the last three months. It's amazing to say three months. It's so short, but really. One yeah. is around text and runners around images. Um, let's start there, and then we can talk about what the future looks like. But sure. talk about some of the use cases, not the companies, but just you know the kind of use cases we've been exploring.
1: I think people are are starting out with like revenue growth opportunities, especially in like kind of sales, marketing, customer, commercial. Um, a lot of companies I've seen. One company had three hundred thousand product. Um, descriptions in their in their product information system and they were a total mess and they had an intern that cleaned those up using a large language model in just a few hours Amazing. so you see something used to be like a huge it project or you'd outsource it to an agency for 300,000 now an intern did something super powerful and then all of a sudden now they're also able to translate that into multiple languages which I think allows you to reach more audiences one of my customers uh, that uh, makes Sour Patch Kids said that they they translated that and the old translators converted that into rancid patch kids. <laughs>
0: so because, that's where
1: you got to be careful, right? <laughs> well, 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 yeah, but that was with the old translations. The new these new models are so much better at translation. They know thirty eight languages. Amazing. So all of a sudden, like your ability to read reviews, build product descriptions, translate that, ask customer questions about your catalog, help them find the right products. Sending out customer support emails, like any type of engagement that requires natural, natural language yep. is, uh, is up for grabs. And then the image space is just really taking off. So um, for those of you that are founders or entrepreneurs and thinking about, okay,
0: now I'm starting to see how this could apply to my business. For, these, for the listeners that sell on e-commerce sites, so it could be any number of e-commerce marketplaces where... They've had to pay an agency in the past for like the title, right. the description, the right bullets for right. search terms, you know, in the back end, putting the right search search tech.
1: Talk about how this could help those types of people. Yeah. The the models are great at anything copyright related. We use a model called Claude, which is by Anthropic. It's available on on Amazon, but it's super good for anything text-based. So like SEO keywords, generating knowledge-based articles, generating uh, specific product descriptions for a, a demographic. We were doing some experiments where we were taking the Nielsen Prism 68 prism segments and then generating product descriptions that were specific to that, to that audience. But I think even more interesting is instead of looking at people in segments, right? So we can bucket people like the, your ability to have an intimate conversation with your consumer. When I was at Coke, that's what we always wanted to do. We didn't want to see someone as an 18 to 24 year old male living in the Southeast. Right. We wanted to, to talk to someone as Michael Connor, what we knew about that person. And all of a sudden marketers, like all the, the things that marketers were, have been, dying to do for decades are right there they're right there at their there in the fingertips, finger- at the fingertips. fingertips yeah it's super exciting yeah
0: so for those of you that you know are working you're having to pay an agency to do some of these basic things around your e-commerce listings this is a space where it could help save them some money right in Absolutely. From an efficiency perspective okay um images so and we're talking you know by the way we're in the first inning of many endings in this whole ai generative ai space so um Images. And this is an area that I found fascinating. I was working with a direct sales company, the same company you presented to yesterday, and I was showing them on their site, like the images that they had were with a nice white background. And I was asked, I didn't ask them how much they paid an agency to do this, but they most likely sent off those products to an agency to do a formal photo shoot and then have it shot in different environments. And I mean, the expense could be dramatic, right? Yeah. But with generative AI, that's an area where there's also potential efficiencies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So imagine you're going to launch a, a campaign. You've got a product image, right? Um, so the way this is going to happen in the future is you're going to go into the ad platform and you're going to say, uh, here's, here's the product, here's my image for the product. I uh, hear my product colors and things like that. You're gonna tell it what audiences you wanna target, like high-end beauty customers, things like that. Um, from there, it's gonna go and generate the creative for you. So, hundreds of different backgrounds that kind of would appeal to those, those audiences that you've selected. And then from there, it'll also generate specific messages, like I was sure. talking about before, right? Messages that would resonate with that you know younger people or in, that live in urban environments or older people that are rural, it's gonna generate specific messaging that then targets that audience. And then once those ads get trafficked, it would then figure out which ones were working and it would double down on the ones that were working and it calls the ones that aren't. Right. So that's something that used to take months with an agency and now now you're doing it in hours. Amazing. Another interesting example, uh, we'll bring up a couple here that we've been
0: working on the last couple of weeks. Um, With a major beverage brand in the alcoholic beverage space, uh, you were looking at ways of taking a bottle and... Placing it in different beaches and talk about that it was so fascinating. And talk about what you'd had to enter, like text
1: wise, to, yeah. to, to be able to get to that. So this is cool. This is the first time I'd seen where you know, the world of, of uh, large language models and text generation would kind of intersect with image generation. But the idea was, you know, it was an ad with the with the product on a on a tree stump. Um, kind of this raw image, you know, the bottle glistening in the sun with the condensation (laughs) condensation. and then with a beautiful beach in the background. Right. So the idea is, well, well, what if we could generate that beach in the background? So of course we tried it with a Kauai, which is a really cool beach. I love like the lush volcanoes in the background. It's super unique. And so it just, it just nailed it. It was absolutely pixel perfect. So I said, well, gosh, well, what if we could generate that for every beach in the world? you know, and so imagine you're on Airbnb and you're looking for a, for a place and up, up pops this beer ad and it's, and it shows you the beach where you're going to, right? That really resonates, Automated, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. So I went online and I started researching, okay, top beaches, and let me try to cobble together a list of these beaches. And I was like, wait a second, I'm not thinking about this, right? So I went to the large language mall and I said, give me, give me the most beautiful beaches in the world, right? And all of a sudden, like hundreds and hundreds of beaches start popping out. <laughs> and so then I took that and I, and I gave that back to the ad, the image generator, and I said, I want you to generate an image for every single one of these beaches. You know, and of course, within an hour, I had just thousands of pictures <laughs> oh of beautiful God. beaches, like and different beaches, right? Right. With, with different villas in the background or pink sand, like every beach has got its thing, right? Right. You know, and so just looking at that was just absolutely incredible. But imagine different people with different ethnicities, different sizes, you know, um, different people with different ages, like your ability to be inclusive and really create... Uh, creative that resonates with the people that you're trying to uh, you're trying to sell to and uh, is really unprecedented. Total, it's a great segue. Actually, you know, as you
0: know, we work in the fashion and apparel space, and yeah. we actually have a number of founders that we've had on our show and uh, that listen that are in that segment. And an interesting use case there. Actually, one of the early days ones that we worked on was taking um, a model and what they were wearing and putting that on a different model. And talk about what the the tech
1: did about when it placed it on a new model in a different environment, yeah, it was different. I interesting. I I uh, asked it to uh, use a different ethnicity, and it did it. And it kind of changed the body type. It changed the the model size, which is wasn't uh, I wasn't expecting. But it actually the product really it stayed true. It didn't change the details of the product, but it changed the ethnicity of the model in a convincing way. And then upsized them a little bit. The body type was kind of it made a lot of made a lot of sense. And so all of a sudden, you start. You start thinking, okay, uh, people can now see the product with a body type that's that's familiar to them. Like a lot, you know how it is. A lot of the models are size two. You know <laughs> how does this dress look on me? Like so, so you don't necessarily want to see it on you specifically, but you may want to see it on someone with a similar body type to see how would it look on me. You know. Sure.
0: Um, we we also were meeting with a big retailer last week, and the um, the executive was saying that hey, they've provided these models to their. Um, Ideation team, so their new product innovation team to come to be able to come up with new concepts and whatnot. How are you seeing that play out from a innovation perspective? Because again, thinking about some of our listeners, like if they're trying to ideate on a new product idea, like how could they use this to maybe even give them some potential examples? I think you even developed a
1: beverage line. Yeah, it, it's. I think what we're going to see is like so. So everyone's talking about these different use cases. Oh, we can do ads. Right. or oh, We can do product <laughs> description, and here here's what I'm saying. Like. Your ability to come up with a product, to come up with a concept, to build up um, an absolutely gorgeous product shot, labels, product descriptions um, the, the details, like every aspect of this, including like the designs and the CAD models and everything like that, your ability to bring something to market is going to, is going to be reduced from probably six months to a year down to like, you know, six hours to six days. It's going to be absolutely incredible. So think about all the different things you have to do with a, with a product. Um, I think AI is going to, going to basically, Uh, enable you to do that in in just minutes. And then once you put the product out to understand the reviews and what people are saying about it and how to pivot, how to respond to people, people are going to ask questions. You're going to, your bots are going to respond in real time based on what, you know, everything it already knows about your product. So it's going to be incredible. Yeah.
0: One of the things I know you just, you mentioned the word reviews. And um, of course, many of our listeners sell product on Amazon and other marketplace sites where they get reviews about their product, right? And they're trying to build positive reviews and whatnot. And one of our food customers gave us a use case what 3500 reviews yeah and and they're all text based like i mean you can imagine can you imagine paying an agency or a consultant you know to go through those reviews and come up with
1: a summary report probably a couple of weeks right of work and how long did it take for the model to go through and sum that up i mean it's it's really instantaneous but but also like imagine you have amazon reviews now you also have target and you have walmart maybe you're doing a direct to consumer you've got all these different channels but then also i was talking to um you know a food um, a food company this week and they said look we want to we want to not only know what people are saying, but I want to know in real time if anyone reports a quality issue, anything about mold, right. anything uh, you know, about like some a flag. foreign object or anything like that. That's the kind of thing where we want that model. If the second somebody hits enter, we want to know. If we have any risk or there's anything we need to dig into from a risk perspective, and it's really hard to just get people around the clock that are doing that reliably. Or you know? hoping for a phone call,
0: right? Exactly. Hey, I found something in my food or drink. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's flip the, um, the to the other side of things. So um, generative AI isn't perfect. And yeah. what are the areas that are not
1: quite there yet, but we could we could see developing in the next year? So video is interesting. There was a great, like someone someone actually created a, a generative AI beer commercial and you and I have seen <laughs> right this. we watched on. it. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's almost like a it's great parody because it kind of talks about it's how so ridiculous like weird. light beer commercials are. Well, I mean, it's horrible, but it's, it's so horrible, but it's exactly where the image technology was a year ago. A year ago, the image tech was horrible. Now it's like pixel perfect. So it kind of tells you, well, this stuff is moving so fast the video stuff will probably be as good as the photo stuff in a year, a year or two. So as a brand, how do you plan? How do you think about that? How do you prepare for it? Yeah. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, there's also some risks. So there's different strategies
0: for using, um, these generative AI models. So you mentioned ChatGPT earlier, which is a public large language model and what you put there is available to anyone and everyone, right? So if, um, if someone were to enter and, and use it for their corporate, uh, Research that is then available for everyone versus other models or other strategies where it's, you know, you're using your uh, models against your own data in a private environment. Talk about just some of the risks around that because I know, again, thinking about our listeners, they may not know that. By putting your strategy information out on a public right. large language
1: model, it's available to anybody. Yeah, Twilio actually did something cool last week. I mean, if you think about what the FDA did with food labels, they said, hey, how do we communicate to consumers in a really concise way? Uh, standard way that's easier to read what is in this product in terms of calories and USDA vitamins and things like that. So they came up with FDA food labels. So everyone's trying to figure out the similar thing when a company, when a group in a company uses a model, how do we know what they're doing and what the risks are to the brand, especially if we're doing it at scale? So Twilio came up with this uh, it was an AI like food label, but it was an AI label. And basically what it did is it captured what those key risk points were. And so like, as your chief risk officer or your CISO or whoever's doing governance to say like, hey, we're gonna ask every group as you release a generative AI application, we want you to fill in this little food label that tells us what are the risks, what is the model, what was it trained on, is there bias, did we think through that? So we just have a really clear, concise, easy to read way of determining risk and and how we're going to market with that model. Yeah. And I think right now, more than ever, the major
0: brands are very concerned about risk. I mean, like the, they don't want another issue to happen that
1: would destroy a brand, right? Yeah. But the crazy thing is so that, you know, that, that company that I met with that well-established, well-established CPGs are like, oh my gosh, these, these small brands are moving so fast. And, but we have all this risk and, you know, people sometimes sue us. And like, and I, I think that the big brands have to come to terms with the the idea that there's a risk of moving forward, but there's a risk of not right. And how do you balance those two things? And, and I think it's really important that they move forward. Maybe you take a brand, like when I was at Coke, we always had these brands, like monster energy, smaller (laughs) brands, like go take a risk with monster energy, right? Like, right. right? Like maybe you don't take your flagship brand and and soldier, through, you know, the unknown, but like, but take some of your smaller brands and take some risks there. Right. Right. So true. Yeah. I, I, I'll never forget. We were working
0: with a, a major beverage brand and the, you remember the brand manager said, Justin, my job is to not screw it up <laughs> until exactly. I move on to the next job, but that's yeah. so risk averse. But then how do you, you, you know, it's a, it's a balance between that and like also not, Gaining new traction with new consumers. I mean, you know what I mean. It's just an interesting yeah. trend, trend, trend.
1: I think that mindset leads leads to erosion of market share over time. Or you got you got to keep moving.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, so this is great. The, we'll, and for those listening, you know, we'll consider this part one because I we're going to have Connor come back in a couple months and we'll talk. You know, how things have changed and evolved, but. Uh, As we start to wrap up, if you're an entrepreneur listening, you're like, I don't even, I got like five people or I have 20 people. I, you know, I don't even know how, what do I even do? Like, should I, do I need to have someone looking at this? How do I approach this? How should I be thinking about this? What's your coaching to them on how to explore this and, and understand it enough and to take advantage of, but also like, you know, with the tension of not a lot of resources?
1: Yeah, I think brands that don't have a lot of resources like, you know, the the person I was talking about who launched that cereal brand, I mean, exactly. she's using this for everything. I was I was presenting at at this uh this little innovation group in Cambridge, we we're actually at, at Harvard and right. yep. and um and I and I asked all these brands and I said like who's using this stuff, you know, and, and she was one of the only ones that raised her hand and I said, "Well, what do you use it for?" And she's like, "Well, we're using it for marketing, we're using it for a product description." <laughs> everyone's we're, like, "Wait, we created these we avatars for our brand and then the kids <laughs> kids can go interact with the avatars, yeah. and it's like because she's she's innovating, she's taking right. a risk. She's got to try to capture market share, right? You know, so I think if you're a small brand, it is game on. It is game you know? on. And you know, I, I, that's that would be my
0: coaching: is guys, come on, this is opportunity to accelerate and, and yes. differentiate in a market where you're going to find the major brands are risk averse, right, or or more challenged to move forward because of just the way they're built.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And if I'm a larger brand, I would take, you know, take a group of 10, 12 people, um, you know, separate them out, move them to a different building and and say, say, like, go, go innovate, rock and roll, see what you can come up with. And we're going to, we're going to learn from you. We want to take the guardrails off and see, see how fast you can move. It's funny that big retailer I was talking about when
0: they were talking about ideation and a new product, that's exactly what the CEO has said. You know what? Taking the guardrails off. I'm going to remove governance. I'm putting this group over here. I want you to ideate, come up with, Anything that comes that you can develop, um, not going to restrict you. I mean, just put that group
1: over yeah. on the side, let them run. Yeah. I mean, no- Nokia had the idea of smartphones. You, you know, you saw what happened. It's <laughs> <You laughs> <That's know>? true.
0: <laughs> so crazy.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: man, so exciting. Um, so what do you think as we wrap up, what would be one or two areas that we should be watching? Let's say the next six months. What, what do you think will be some of the biggest
1: developments in this space? I think everyone's going to start to think about like you know just the sociological impacts of this and some of the ethics and responsible use. I mean that's just that's just going to be a big one that it's top of mind for everyone. There's some high-profile lawsuits, two point four billion dollar class action against OpenAI for how they source the data. There's just going to be a lot. Like I I don't think it can the genie's out of the bottle. I don't think we can kind of put put it back in. So we all have to figure out how to make the make this work. But I would start with revenue growth opportunities, sales, marketing, customer, commercial, but but more than anything like m- ask every every person in your company how are you thinking about your job with respect to generative how are you using this and what's your plan you yeah. know make them think through it and and also train them like coach them on this stuff get them excited about it Allay um, their fears as well i think a leaders have a really important role to do that right to create a sense of calm around this stuff and stop the phobo right. <laughs> <laughs> so true You're, you know but make sure everyone's digging in yeah and i think you know it's an
0: exciting time too for analysts like that are today pulling down data and putting it in Excel or Access and then manipulating it into pivot tables and coming up with insights, I, they're going to have to get better at asking questions of data and output, right? Just And to be able to glean what's real versus what's ideal and then be able to ask better
1: questions. It's just the role is changing versus like the role going away. Yeah, absolutely. I keep telling everyone, AI is not going to take your job. Somebody using AI will. Ooh. So be the person using AI. Go learn it, man. Get, get on top of it.
0: Talk about the closing statement. I love it. Man, okay, this has been so fun. You got to come back a couple months and we'll uh, do a, a part two. Anytime.
1: The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.